Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim podcast episode number 25. This is the podcast where we take a dive into design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. This is being recorded on Tuesday, July 10th but will be released on Thursday, July 12th, 2018. So uh, visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links to follow along with everything. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. And let's just get started this as we usually do with some uh, weekly links and notes and, and feedback. Uh, I don't think there's actually any feedback after the last episode, but I do have some notes and a couple links or, or a link, one link to share. The first note is, and I posted this on Twitter this last Saturday, I went, I uh, visited the Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a really <laughs> a gigantic mall and, and commercial area for shopping, just everything you can imagine. And so there is a Microsoft store and an Apple store at that mall. So uh, my wife and I walked around and I specifically stopped into the Apple store first, which was a little <laughs> I don't know. It was a little I, I said this on Twitter. It was a little 1984 slash Fahrenheit 451 ish. Uh, it was a little bit. I don't know. There's just something a little bit cold about the atmosphere in there. And I've always kind of felt this with Apple. And it's this is just my personal opinion about it. You know, I mean, maybe that's something you're, you know, you like that kind of aesthetic. But to me, it just felt a little bit cold. But I mean, I, I played around with uh, some of the devices there, you know, and they're interesting to use, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't really, I don't know, you know, I think I've just kind of rehashed why I haven't gone to iPhone yet, um, or even really purchased an iPhone to have a tinker with. Uh it's just there's something for me personally that just doesn't really click <laughs> when I pick up a, an Apple device. So uh, they're very nice, very well designed and all that. You know, I'm not uh, complaining that they, you know, that they're not good products. I, I definitely think that they are, you know, but it's just something about them that doesn't work uh, for me. Uh, it, it just could be some sort of intuition on my part, you know, totally not based on anything any hard evidence, you know, and I still in the future would like to try out an Apple device. But while I was at the mall there also, I stopped by the Microsoft store, which and and to me, this was <laughs> why I, I think it kind of emphasized the difference for me between the Apple store and the Microsoft store. The Microsoft store felt much more familiar, much I felt much more at home. It kind of solidified in my head that I am definitely in the Microsoft ecosystem as far as uh, operating systems go. And uh, even Android still kind of feels like it's leaning that way too. But yeah, so I took a look around the Microsoft store, took a picture outside because I'm cool like that. I have my Lumia 950 on me. So I had my wife take a picture of me out there. That's, yeah, anyway, kind of a geeky thing to do. But you know, when when that's that's my thing. So uh, but yeah, the store was really neat. Uh, obviously, they had all of their Surface products on display. Just obviously, just a few days before the Surface Go was announced, and so there, you know, I don't think that they would be in store at this point. But uh, you know, didn't get to see that. But I mean, you, you've seen one Surface, uh, you've seen kind of them all, and that's you know similar thing with Apple too. But uh, I thought the cool thing about the Microsoft Store was they actually had. A lot of different PCs on display, you know, gaming PCs, uh, HP, a lot of HP computers in there, uh, which were really nice. I still 
love to get my hands on the the surface uh, the surface line. And so uh, for the first time, I actually with the Surface Book 2, I actually, <laughs> you know, press the button and release the tablet portion or the display portion of the device and kind of got a good hands on with that. And and uh, it was really, it was just super nice. You know, uh, the, my one thing that, you know, because I'm looking into the Surface products a lot lately, thinking that, you know, my next computer PC will be uh, something in the service line. And and there is a little bit of concern about the repairability of them. You know, up until this point, I've always had a PC that I could, you know, upgrade the RAM, upgrade the hard drive, you know, swap out parts as needed, you know, get at the motherboard and, you know, all that sort of thing. And these Surface, the Surface products don't really lend to that kind of thing, which uh, it concerns me a little bit, you know, I'm not uh, super against the all the sealed in design, even though I think for, you know, repairability and all that, it's not as convenient for the user if somebody like myself would want to swap in something. So, I mean, it's just kind of the way things are going as long as there's good support and Microsoft will replace and repair. That's that's all that really matters. So it was just nice to walk around the store and you know, and, and just kind of reconfirm the the my uh, my love for Microsoft, I guess, you know, even though they're not they're not perfect, but it's just it felt super familiar and I felt super at home there. And, and speaking of the repairability and all that stuff, actually, this kind of leads me into my next link that I want to share here is there is this article that I came across on CSS tricks. And now this uh, CSS is obvious for designing on the web. It's kind of the cascading style sheets, essentially how you style everything on the web. And that's kind of what this website's about. But it, they actually, there was this article I thought was kind of interesting, kind of was more broad, at least part a uh, section of it was more broad covering the internet. Uh, it's called delivering WordPress in seven kilobytes, seven KB. Uh, th- and like I said, this is on CSS tricks. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check out the entire article. This is by Jack Lennox. It was written on July 10th, 2018. So essentially, he kind of goes over uh, going to this, going to MozFest, MozFest uh, in London last year, uh, which is um, a big convention in London uh, last year. And so essentially talks about the amount of energy that the web takes, <laughs> uh, the the environmental impact uh, that the web demands. So I'm just going to read a, a couple of uh, paragraphs from this because I thought it was interesting and, and something that, you know, in this world we're living in, like going paperless and and all that is is great. But there's still a an environmental impact on uh, with the web. I mean, it's obvious I mean, it runs on electricity. So I'm just um, let me read a couple paragraphs that he wrote here. And so he ta- uh, he's talking about going into this new or going into a session at MozFest that talked about building a planet friendly web. So he says, I learned of the colossal energy demand of the Internet. This demand makes it the largest coal fired machine on Earth meaning that its CO2 emissions are probably at least equivalent to global air travel. More and more people are coming online. 
But this, coupled with the rise of ever more obese websites, means that the internet's energy demands are growing exponentially. Every additional byte transferred means more energy, which in most countries means more CO2. It is widely accepted that we should avoid printing emails to save trees, but this leads to a false assumption that the web is a green medium. I'm afraid to say it is not. The good news is it needn't be this way. Since 2009, Greenpeace has audit been auditing internet companies on their energy usage and lobbying them to improve by way of their clicking clean campaign. The Green Web Foundation has ever-growing database and an ever-growing database of hosting companies who use renewable energy or who are not who are at least committed to being carbon neutral and new tools are emerging to help these those working on the web measure the environmental impacts of our products. Okay, so essentially he's just kind of talking about uh, how heavy web pages are creating a, a heavier load on the, the energy that's being used. And uh, I won't go too much into the rest of the article here. Uh, basically, it starts to uh, talk about a way to kind of strip down WordPress, which actually WordPress runs on 30% of the web right now. So 30% uh, of websites run on WordPress. So he talked about uh, challenging himself with a project to strip down WordPress into, uh, he got it down, the homepage load down to seven kilobytes, which is not very much at all. So the whole, the whole idea being that building a, a cleaner and faster web uh, is actually environmentally friendly uh, because of the load on servers and and co2 you know and, and the eventual co2 in the into the environment so i thought it was just an interesting read because it's a side of the internet we don't necessarily talk about or maybe even think about you know uh the fact that your slow heavy website or every time you go to a slow heavy website which there's a lot of them these days especially with the heavy scripts that are running the ads and stuff like that uh just you know bogging down a system and and essentially cr making servers have to work, you know, way harder to to deliver the pages. And so the article kind of talks about that. And so he did get, you know, a stripped down version of WordPress uh, called Susty WP. Uh, you can check all of that out in the article uh, that I'm going to post in the show notes. So really interesting read. Just thought I'd share that section of it because it's you know a little bit more universal than just straight up web design thinking about because even from a user standpoint if you think about the websites that you go to uh, you know which ones <laughs> are super slow and that don't necessarily load in an efficient way um, I you know there's there's a lot <laughs> that I can think of uh, mostly with on the ad side of things and that's that's another topic for another day the advertising on the web and and all that stuff but uh, it's just you know uh, it's to be conscious of these things is to to help uh, change them uh, for the better, hopefully. So uh, check out the show, no uh, show notes for the link. Okay, so the last uh, note I have for the week is that uh, I don't know if you listen to the Whatever Works podcast, but they are currently selling t-shirts uh, for their podcast the first time that they've uh, sold anything, uh, t-shirts and mugs and a sweatshirt. So I actually ordered one and I thought I'd just share the link to it in the show notes. If you uh, want to support whatever the Whatever Works podcast. That's with Ted Salmon, who I had on on uh, episode 16. 
and also David Rich, who is the uh, other host on that show. So if you haven't checked it out, check out whatever works. I'll put a link to that. And but if you do listen, they are selling T-shirts. So definitely something to check out and help and support them by getting one of those ordered. So they I just ordered mine a couple days ago, so we'll see when that comes in. But yeah, check it out uh, if you're a fan of the Whatever Works podcast. I know I am. So, All right, so I teased last week uh, as we get into the uh, main part of my of the show here. Just a couple topics I want to go into a little bit more. Uh, the first one, and I talked about it last week, I didn't get to it, was that I switched over to NPass, the, the password manager. And this, I think, originally was suggested by Frank Neathart. He said he had used it, and it was a nice cross-platform password manager. Uh, I kind of wanted to go with a password manager that was similar to KeePass. And so I know Steve Litchfield in the past has talked about KeePass or mentioned that he's used it. And the main advantage that I see for me personally is the fact that you essentially keep all of your passwords in you know, uh, an encrypted database with a master password on it. And that master password is never stored anywhere online or anything like that. And you essentially get to decide where your database is stored. So I keep mine syncing on OneDrive. And essentially, when you use any of the NPass apps, which I'll get into in a sec here, you just essentially access your OneDrive storage and it and access your password database that mpass then opens up and you have to put in your master password and all that stuff so but that the biggest thing about mpass is that it is truly (laughs) cross-platform and 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 they pretty much have an extension or something for everything so there's uh, for the for browsers, they have a Microsoft Edge extension. They have a Mi- Mozilla Firefox extension. They have a Chrome, Google Chrome extension. Uh, so any basically any browser that you use, they have an extension for it. But then they also have a Windows 10 desktop application, which is free uh, to store as much as you want. So if you're just using the desktop version and you don't need it on mobile you can just use that for free and you're good to go so then they also have a windows 10 uh, uwp universal app and so you can install that on your desktop as well but that one you can actually also install on windows phone (laughs) which is really great because uh, not a ton of password managers are available for windows phone and one of the big things about the about mpass Uh, an official app on Windows 10 mobile is that if you have a Windows phone device with a fingerprint scanner, which (laughs) there's not a ton, I I have the Alcatel Idol 4S uh, that has a fingerprint scanner, but you can use that uh, if it's set up on Windows Hello on your device already, uh, the fingerprint scanner, you can use it to access your database. Uh, You obviously have to put in a master password first and then Uh, From there on out, you can use the fingerprint scanner to access your password database. Uh, And just the fact that it's even supported on Windows 10 Mobile is great. So, And then there's also an Android app, an iOS app, uh, just everything. Uh, Truly, truly cross-platform. And that's ultimately why I decided to go with NPass over keeping KeePass and using third-party apps on Android or Windows, uh, Windows 10 Mobile. 
So like I said, the desktop version on, I think, Mac and Windows is free to load up with as many passwords as you want. Where NPass gets their funding is they charge for the mobile apps. And so essentially how it works is you, uh, what I did was I got the Windows desktop app, not the UWP app, but just the standard desktop app and loaded in all my passwords. I did do it manually. Uh, there's ways to move because I had most of the passwords in KeePass already. There's ways to convert them over, but uh, in lieu, I didn't have a ton. So I just decided to do it manually instead of trying to figure out how to 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 move them over uh, or transfer them. So I just put them all in manually. And then uh, I forget how many there were. There was probably about 40 passwords, 30 or 40. Uh, this is, includes all my work passwords. So uh, that's why it's up there. Most of them were for work. And so I loaded them all in and then I downloaded the NPass, official NPass app on my Android device and my Windows 10 mobile device, uh, the Lumia 950 at the time. And the thing with the mobile app is this is good to you to, to an extent, because if you're just using this as a casual user with not a lot of passwords, you do get to use the mobile apps uh, up to 20 passwords or up to 20 entries because uh, it doesn't just store passwords. You can also keep uh, credit card information, any sort of finance stuff, uh, your computer licenses, software licenses, passwords, like I said a million times already, but uh, you can, they also have a section for secure notes, any sort of travel information, basically anything you want to encrypt and kind of hide away, you can do that with MPass. And so if you just have a small list of 20 or less items or entries in your NPass database, you can use the mobile apps uh, for, uh, for free. So, but once you go, you know, 21, or more entries. Uh, each platform is $9.99 for a lifetime, uh, one-time purchase. And so, which is nice because I'm, I, you know, I didn't also didn't want a monthly subscription, you know, uh, we got enough of those. Everything run, seems to run on a monthly subscription these days. So it was nice to see that it was just a one-off, you know, 10 bucks and, you're done. You know, uh, the one thing is, is that I because I'm using it on Windows Mobile and Android, it was $9.99 each. So it was $10 per platform. So $20, uh, which I was more than happy to do because of the convenience and cross platform uh, availability of NPASS. It That's <laughs> to me, that's, you know, it's a small investment for something that works really well. And so I think it's more than worth the money. Uh, the price of admission. So within the desktop NPASS uh, application, uh, you can also enable, it helps you to enable all the browser extensions, or you can go to NPASS's website and download any of the the software or the, the browser extensions. So I haven't gotten too familiar with the process of the, the uh, browser extensions yet. Uh, I do, the thing is, is right now, Here's another step that I still want to take is in Chrome, I still have a ton of usernames and passwords stored within Chrome so that they just load up when I, you know, when the page, a login page loads up. So, uh, you know, it's, it saves a lot of those passwords. 
And so eventually, once I figure kind of figure out the the workflow for NPass in the browser, I want to delete all of those those Chrome pa- uh, usernames and passwords and just use NPass. So uh, and then have everything just sync across via OneDrive to all all the other platforms. So there's yeah, there's still a little bit of work to be done, but I've been I mean NPass to me has been far more intuitive than KeePass as far as uh, adding entries and the categorization and and attaching files to to an entry. Uh, one of the things that I did was I have you know a few software licenses, uh, you know stuff that I've purchased online, a couple of Excel uh, add-ons, and so in the entry I would create a, a license entry and you know, add all of the licensing info to it. And then what I also did was the email that I received from, you know, from the software developer with the license info, I basically saved that email as a PDF and then I attached it to the entry in MPASS just to have that there to reference, you know, for dates and, and, and all that stuff. And it's a really super easy thing to do. Uh, honestly, KeePass, I'm not 100% sure how the files get attached. It, I, it was a little bit confusing when I tried in the past with KeePass to add a file to an entry. Um, it seemed like something was going on where it was keeping that data separate, but I'm not sure. Either way, NPass bundles it all in nice and easy. You don't have to do anything else or worry about trying to figure out what it's doing because it's pretty obvious and and super easy. But yeah, NPass has been really great. I'll put a, a link to NPass in the show notes so you can check that out. It's definitely uh, something to think about if you've got, you know, an unwieldy amount of passwords that you probably should consolidate into one spot. Uh, the thing is, is we're trying, you know, making sure you remember that master password. But beyond that, there's really not much else that you need to do. It's super intuitive, super easy to figure out. And I definitely thank uh, Frank for suggesting that in the past. So I am officially on NPASS. And uh, like I said, there's still a little bit of learning to do. But um, I'm happy thus far. And I just I don't necessarily see having to move to anything else. And there is that one concern, you know, in the back of my mind, because NPASS is funded. Uh, you know, they, they do have to keep some servers running, you know or something, you know, that they, because of that, that the, you know, that uh, down the line, there could be an issue with them, you know, shutting down. But uh, so far, nothing's really indicated that they're on a downslide. So uh, for the foreseeable future, I will be on MPAS and I'll try and report back on the browser usage of it. Uh, If you have any suggestions, anybody has any suggestions for kind of a quick workflow and how that works for them. Uh, feel free to contact me uh, at pixelswim.com and let me know. So yeah, impasse, very good so far. All right, so the last thing I wanted to talk about today, my last main topic for this episode, uh, and I've hinted at this in the past and I actually kind of uh, come across it on a couple episodes in the past. Uh, most recently when I had Noah, Lam- Noah Lambert on, he was talking about setting up a mount in his car for his iPhone with Qi uh, charging and all that. So I thought I would go over uh, my current car setup, what I have set up in my automobile. Uh, so I own a 2012 Hyundai Accent. 
which is a uh, <laughs> here's the thing is I'm not uh, I'm a no frills kind of automobile owner. I'm not super into cars. It's not that I don't appreciate the engineering and the amazingness of cars, because I think there are some really cool and neat cars out there. And I think they are marvels of engineering and all that stuff. But for me personally, I like a dependable car that I don't have to think about, <laughs> you know, that I don't. Uh, and I know a lot of cars are like that, but I just, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not a huge priority for me to have, you know, a specific make or model. You know, I just want something with good gas mileage and that I can depend on uh, because I originally, I mean, I've been at my job now for 11 years and for about eight years of that, I was commuting in and it was almost always from a long distance away. So currently I'm 75 miles one way to my to the office so i do work at home now but i do go every every once in a while but i was making that commute from here for about a year uh, from where i'm at right now so you know it it was rough so having a good dependable car was my main concern but with that said uh i do you know i do have a a technology okay well let's get back to the to the fact that that i want to talk about the technology and how i have that set up in my car that's kind of what i was getting at so, uh, like I said, 2012 Hyundai Accent, uh, it's a sedan model, and it didn't come with a lot of bells and whistles. There's actually no keyless entry, so I don't have a key fob. So I have to, you know, stick the key in the door, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, these days seems like kind of an old concept, but I don't mind. I mean, it's not really that big a deal. I, I've been, my, every car that I've owned, you know, in my life has been that way. So it's not really too much of a not much of an issue for me. So, I mean, it still has power windows, so that's good. And uh, I think it could have power locks if uh, if they would have to install something for it to have power locks. Because essentially, the the locks on it, if I lock the, the lock, and there's no lock button, but if I push the lock switch on my driver door, it'll lock all of the other doors. So not really a big deal. It's still it's kind of like power locks. (laughs) I don't know. It's such a strange setup. Like I said, there's not a lot of bells and whistles on this car because, I, you know, it's kind of the base model. So out of the out of the box, (laughs) out of the factory, whatever you want to say, there was no there's no Bluetooth support in the stereo. There's there is XM radio support, which when I first bought the car, I got, I think, three months free and I don't believe I ever actually well I listened to it a couple times but it just uh, wasn't for me I didn't really find anything on there that I listened to a lot so when that three-month trial is up I you know I just let it <laughs> let it fade into oblivion have ever since so I bought the car in 2011 so this was when this it was brand new <laughs> when when I got it so it's been you know seven years since I bought the car and I haven't turned on the XM since, so I don't foresee that being a a thing. But either way, like I said, no Bluetooth includes XM. It has an audio in jack, uh, 3.5 millimeter uh, auxiliary, and a USB slot to put in. And what I do is I put in, I have a, it's been in there for my car for a while, but it's like a two gigabyte USB stick that has two gigabytes of music that I put on there randomly. And I used to switch it out quite a bit, but 
uh, just stick in the USB stick the and the stereo recognizes all the MP3 files and the folder structure and all that stuff and you know the basic metadata and the files and you know loads up the the song names on the screen and stuff so I use that every once in a while when I don't feel like connecting to the stereo with my phone which I'll get to in a sec I'll just throw the USB stick in there and uh, you know, there's some music on there for short trips. So uh, the first one of the first things is I do have a mount for my phone or device, my every phone that I've had. So uh, and this is actually kind of funny because on the episode, uh, episode 23 with Noah Lambert, I he mentioned Archon, Archon.com and uh, their uh, mount. They offer mounts for like everything. Uh, and I didn't realize at the time when he was talking about it that the mount in my car is actually an Archon mount. mount. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't know. And the reason I think I forgot was because I bought that mount uh, in 2011. So that mount is seven years old now. So I've had it for seven years uh, and it's held every single device that I've that I've owned. So I uh, definitely can recommend this Archon air vent mount. Yeah, men- mounts on the air vent. I actually you know, the, the steering wheels on the left side here in the US. So I put the mount on the left side of the steering wheel next to the driver's side window. So it's not in the middle where a lot of people put it. It's on the, off to the left, kind of tucked into the left vent, which I love it. I love it there. It's perfect for me. So it's just a spring loaded mount. And like I said, I can't uh, recommend this mount enough. They're still selling it. So I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Uh, it's about $15 now. I think that's about how much I paid for it then. So, and it, you know, like I said, it's spring loaded, but it's super durable. Apparently, it doesn't feel like it would be because uh, there's like a release mechanism, and you can kind of you know feel the spring and the locking mechanism, and it, it's all plasticky and feeling. But it's been seven years, and I have had zero issues with it. And I mean, it's been in some extreme temperature, extreme temperatures here uh, in Northwest Indiana. And so essentially, you know, anything from 100 degrees Fahrenheit all the way down to, you know, minus 14 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's been through a lot and it's still working just like the day that I got it. So highly recommend this Archon air vent mount. So that's where I keep my device. And then because, like I said, the car has a 3.5 millimeter auxiliary port and a USB port, I actually uh, and it doesn't have any Bluetooth support in the, the factory stereo. So what I got was this. It's from a company called M-Pow, M-Pow, M, the letter M, P-O-W. And it's a Bluetooth receiver. And so essentially, uh, it plugs into the 3.5 millimeter auxiliary port. And then it's power. It has a, a battery in it. But essentially what I did was I took a really short USB cord a micro USB because it charges via micro USB. And then I take a, it's probably about a six inch micro USB cord and plug that into the micro or to the USB port on the car, the one that I usually put the the thumb drive in with all the music on it. So essentially don't have to worry about the battery. Uh, it's constantly charged up. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's killing the battery or not, but either way, the power is going directly into it. Uh, I got the the short micro USB cord, I think, from when I bought the uh, Nokia Lumia 640. It came with it in the box. It was just a little short cord. I think it's meant to just kind of connect to your computer very quickly with your device. So that's what I use. So it's a 
And you know what? Maybe I'll take some pictures of, of how it's set up in the car and, and post those in the, the show notes. So essentially, it just works like any other Bluetooth device. Uh, you press and hold a button on it, and it turns on and holds it longer. It goes into pairing mode, and then you just connect your phone to it, just like you would any other Bluetooth device. And then it just runs through the auxiliary port on the, the car stereo. And it works really well. I've had that for a while, too, a few years now. I got my wife one for her car. Uh, the one nice thing about this MPOW Bluetooth receiver is that it comes with a male-to-male 3.5-millimeter adapter. So essentially, uh, but but the difference is it's not a wire. It's like a, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but uh, there will be a link in the show notes to it. But essentially, it's just a solid piece, uh, probably about, two inches long uh, with the male head on each end of this uh, of a metal tube. And so basically when you plug it in, it's it's like a solid connection. So it supports itself. Uh, you don't have to worry about a wire, you know, and, and the Bluetooth receiver flopping around. It's kind of, you know, just standing <laughs> in the port. I don't know. Take a look at the picture. Uh, you'll know exactly what I mean when you see it. So and then I, next to all the ports is uh, next to the the auxiliary port, the USB slot, and the or not and the this is the the last port is the uh, the cigarette lighter or the the power outlet, whatever you want to call it. So I have a a two. Well, I just got a Motorola a rapid charge charger for the for my car. It just came in. So essentially, I keep that plugged in, and then I've got a USB C cable coming out of that because it's a USB. A to USB-C cable, and I kind of string that around to the Archon mount uh, where the device is. So uh, it's not, you know, the most elegant thing in the world, but luckily the cord's not so long that it kind of dangles everywhere. So it's pretty, all things considered, it's it's pretty uh, pretty not visible. <laughs> Sorry to be not super descriptive there, but it works, you know, so I can charge the, uh, my my USB-C device. So right now it's the Moto X4. Uh, and actually I'm running low on micro USB devices at the moment, but uh, USB-C is making its way. But yeah, that's my basic setup. Essentially, I will listen to, I have all my music on my phone, and and then also Pandora offline mode, because I've talked about in the past, I don't use uh, much data in the car. And so also when I'm doing navigation and listening uh, to podcasts or something from my phone, you know, it's nice to have the navigation voice come through the car speakers. So, yeah, so I have to create all sorts of adapters and plugs and things in my car, but it make, it works, you know, and it has been for a while. So it's really been really nice. So there's no, I don't have any automated way to turn on the car and the Bluetooth connects, you know, or anything like that. But to me, I'm not, you know, until I have a, a car that offers that I probably won't try and, and make that happen. So, and it, you know, it's not the most, like I said, no, most elegant setup, you know, there's wires and things sticking out, but it works, you know, and luckily most of where all the ports are and the plugs, it's black, you know, all of the things I'm plugging in are black, so it's not necessarily an eyesore either. You know, I wouldn't use any white uh, wires or plugs or anything like that to, you know, I don't want it to stand out necessarily. I'm not looking for it to stand out. You know, it works. It works for me. Whatever works. 
uh, patent pending. Nah, not patent pending, but whatever. Trademark, whatever works. Please don't sue me. Anyway, so that's my current setup. I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about my my old setup. I had a 2006 Toyota Corolla before this car, which, yeah, you're kind of getting the, <laughs> the feeling of my boring, bland cars, but, you know, they they were, they've been really good so far. Uh, I think on my current car, I have about 150,000 miles. Uh, most of that was when I was commuting in. And then the Corolla that I had, I had 148,000 miles. So I put in almost 300,000 miles commuting to work uh, just in the past, you know, 11 years. So, but anyway, in that Corolla that didn't have Bluetooth, it, it didn't even have a, a 3.5 millimeter auxiliary port so i actually before this was you know luckily i still had a ton of cds at the times and you know so i could listen to cds and music that way but uh i wanted something for speakerphone calls you know while i was driving and so in the podcast uh, a couple podcasts ago with our episodes ago with noah uh, he was, you know, talking about s- adapters, things that plug into the back of the stereo. So actually on my Corolla, I did that same thing. And so I'll put a link in the show notes to to this 3.5 millimeter auxiliary input adapter that I had for my Corolla. And essentially, you uh, there's n- good videos out there where you pull, it'll show you how to pull out your stereo specifically for your, you know, your vehicle, in this case, my Corolla. And then I would uh, I took this device and and it just plugs into a, you know, a specific port into the back of the stereo and you kind of figure out where you want to feed because it's a it's a, a cord. On one end is the port that goes in the back of the stereo and the other end is the the 3.5 millimeter male jack. And so plugged it in the back of the stereo and kind of decided where to feed out from the dashboard the the wire and so it you know it fed into the little in you know under the stereo there was a little you know storage place and so i fed the wire out through there and then you know pushed the stereo back in and it was a you know fairly elegant considering the stereo the stereo didn't have any sort of input like that so and it worked that worked perfectly i, I used it all the time on uh, looking back, I guess I could have, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't know too much about Bluetooth at the time. Never really used it too much. But um, I also had a what was called a Jabra. <laughs> Jabra is the brand. Uh, was the, the model is SP700. But essentially, it was a little Bluetooth speaker that clipped on. It was like a flat speaker that clipped onto the visor, the sun visor uh, in the car. And so it was just a speaker that a little Bluetooth speaker you connect to your device and you, you know, your phone calls would be blasting right ahead. of you. It was nice and loud. The battery lasted for quite a bit. I could easily get through two weeks of it uh, using it. You know, I didn't make a ton of calls on the road, but when I needed to, it would work well for that. So I'll put a link to that too. That was a nice little device. Um, I had that for a few years in the car and it worked well. Uh, my wife had one. It was just nice to have but obviously, if your car has Bluetooth or if you have another way to connect to the car stereo, that's better. But this was like, uh, you know, this was a solution uh, and a pretty good solution. And, and the, you know, the speaker, like I said, the speaker was pretty loud and it was nice and flat and, and thin and easy to use. So just like every other Bluetooth, you know, speaker device. So uh, I thought it was, you know, pretty interesting solution for it. Uh, I think I paid 
gosh, I don't know, like $50 for it at the time, but I'm sure you can get them for way cheaper now because this was also years ago. But yeah, so I just, you know, I thought I'd talk about my car setup a little bit. It's not super interesting. My car is not full of tech, you know, there's no crazy stuff going on in there, you know, and honestly, I don't mind it that way. You know, I don't necessarily want a million electronic things in my car, you know, and like I said, I'm just kind of a you know, I want my I want a dependable car that's going to get me where I need to go. So and this this Hyundai Accent has actually been pretty good so far. I haven't haven't had any major issues with it. So and anything that has been a little off, it's usually just because it's older, you know, it's getting older now, which is, you know, I mean, it's pushing seven years old. And, you know, so there's some maintenance stuff that I'm going through right now. So which isn't a big deal, you know, and if you keep up with it, it's been pretty good. So you know, I do the, my the oil changes on my own. I do those for my wife's car and my car. And so it makes it a lot easier to to get those done on time because I don't like going to the oil change places necessarily. Plus, it's a lot cheaper to do it yourself. And it's a pretty straightforward process. But I digress. Uh, that's my car setup. Uh, if you want to let me know of any products that would, I don't know, make my setup any better. Uh, let me know uh, if you want to share your setup and your car too. That would be great. I'm always interested in that. And it, you know, it's not that I don't think that those things are cool or anything like that. I just uh, that's this is what I have set up with with what I've got. So if my car had more in it, you know, I'd be reporting on that and enjoying all of it. But uh, all things considered, it works well and it works well for me. All right, so let's wrap up for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in again to episode five, uh, five. <laughs> episode 25 of the Pixel Swim podcast. As always, appreciate any feedback that you want to provide on this or any other episode in the past. Uh, it's fine, too. You don't have to. If it's, you know, an older episode, feel free to reach out. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'm always interested to hear what people have to say or feedback on. So uh, next week, I will actually be sitting down with Tom Stewart again. So we will be talking probably about Lumia stuff. So uh, listener beware if you're not into Lumias, uh, please tune in anyway. <laughs> That's not a, Yeah, please don't don't not tune in because of that. We'll be talking a little bit about the Lumia 1020. Uh, I got one in uh, recently. He took one on a, a trip that, to Italy. So we'll be talking about that. So I appreciate Tom uh, as scheduled now. We'll be sitting down and, and talking about all that stuff. So yeah, make sure to tune in next week. And as always, appreciate it. Uh, visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and subscribe if you haven't, uh, especially because Tom will be on next week. And it's always seems like it's always more interesting when there's somebody else on here as well. So Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great evening or afternoon or morning or, or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed. Godspeed.